0: Her newest novel is The Power of Un. She's won the International Horror Guild Award and the Bram Stoker Award. Thank you for joining me, Nancy.
1: I'm happy to be here. Nice to join you.
0: (laughs) Nancy, your latest story is set in 1925, is it? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Uh, Tell us about writing a story set in a period and some of the way you try to evoke the voices and visions of that period.
1: Um, it requires some research or, or else hand familiarity with the period. I'm not old enough to have been alive in 1925. Um, so for me, it was, it was mostly a matter of research. Um, and to some degree, uh, just having read both fiction and nonfiction from that period over time, I don't know why, but there, there's a, a sort of that period of time from a I don't know. 1915 through about 1925 holds a lot of interest for me, and I'm I'm not sure exactly why. I, I think the the big flu uh, pandemic of 1918 has is is part of it. It was it was a a trying period for Americans, um, and I'm drawn to horror, and to me that's you know that's a big piece of real horror is a pandemic, like that flu epidemic which killed you know it killed 10 to 15% of the people who got it which is you know a lot of people that's a pretty high mortality rate for so
0: now um talk about why you write in horror uh, as a writer what draws you to that genre to use these kind of supernatural tropes to to externalize i guess some of the things that you feel and the parallels between then and now
1: um, wow, well, so that's a complicated question, and it's got two parts to it <laughs> sort of um i so growing up, I had a younger sister who's like who's not quite two years younger than me, and we shared a bedroom we lived yes. in a small house and um uh I discovered at some point that. It was very easy to scare Cecily, and <laughs> and I loved to tell stories. I we we told a lot of stories in the family. Mine was a family, and you'll hear this from from lots of writers that they grew up hearing stories told in the household. Um, there was a lot of sitting around the living room or the kitchen table, uh, listening to stories about Grandpa and his brothers, and you know the. That's one place where I got some of this material was from listening to grandpa's story about his his many stories about his youth um, so I love to tell stories and I had this sister who would just rise to the occasion beautifully if if you told her a scary story she would be it would be impossible for her to sleep <laughs> it, was, it was a great <laughs> a great <laughs> Opportunity for a mean older sister to torment <laughs> a younger sibling, <laughs> and so I first honed my horror story skills on Cecily. I'm afraid, and you, if you look in the front of my book, uh, my story collection "Cat in Glass," you'll see that it's dedicated to Cecily, <laughs> and that <laughs> um, uh, I, she always said there was a witch in the closet. In the bedroom, and I always said, "Oh no, there's not." Uh, and then I would tell her a story about a witch in the closet, and and in that dedication of that book, I admit to her that yes, there was really a witch in the closet. <laughs> So is is that something of an answer? It it starts
0: to get there now. As a writer, though, you choose to use uh, the supernatural tropes. You're up for Bram Stoker and horror and you know International Horror Guild Awards. So talk about uh, how you bring in the supernatural, because the story what we heard of the story was completely naturalistic. It was very beautifully written.
1: Yes, I like. As a matter of fact, I I don't use a lot of supernatural tropes. And the story that we heard part of tonight is one of the few I've written that does have one. It has zombies. Um, But I wrote that story kind of on assignment. I was invited to contribute to this Restless Dead anthology, and I had never written a zombie story before. And so I, I thought, well, you know, I'll give it a try. And it came out pretty well but it's much more usual for me to um to do psychological horror which is ambiguous and maybe supernatural and maybe not depending on how you read the story um one of my favorite uh of my favorites of my stories is a, a story called uh lunch at athens and it's a, a sort of post uh Environmental or nuclear holocaust story um, it, it, in which it, it's just a, a sort of exploration of the psychology of a woman, an upper-class woman who can't accept her circumstances and ends up carrying around the corpse of her son and taking him to lunch at the usual places where she has lunch with the corpse of her friend. <laughs> Those sorts of things. Uh, I have written the occasional ghost story. I do enjoy ghosts. Um, but ha- as to what, what draws me to that, it's it's very hard to say. I find it... I mean, I'm a frightened person. It, I it's macabre of, in the least. Yes, it's, it is macabre. Um, I have a lot of fears. I, I'm a person who's always been afraid of lots of things. I find the world to be a scary place. And um my family will tell you <laughs> that I'm I'm always thinking of all the terrible things that could possibly happen in any given situation. And I think writing these stories is just a sort of in some sense, it's kind of cathartic for me because it gets those fears out there and somehow when they're down down on paper get, there's a sort of uh, i don't want to say satisfaction but a sort of momentary freedom from whatever the fear is that i'm writing about and
0: you've imprisoned it in paper
1: yeah maybe that's it you know it's the, it's there <laughs> finally imprisoned on the paper i don't know your guess is as good as mine thing about writers is they often do not know their own psychology very well and to me horror is is the is uh the literature of, of psychology it's it's
0: why do you say that um uh,
1: because it's all about um uh, it's all about the psychology of fear
0: well i mean there are more emotions in this world than fear
1: uh that's true and and a good story will have a large range of emotions so that you're you're not only experiencing fear and terror even in, even in a horror story
0: in in your zombie story there's a a lot of love and a, a lot of family you can feel the the t- how close knit this family is talk about uh creating these kind of like realistic situations um where the emotions are not necessarily happy though
1: well um you, uh, I, anyway, and I think this is true for most writers. Experience the emotions myself that my characters are experiencing. If you, I find it very hard to write uh, convincing fiction unless I am in the emotional state that my characters are in, or something close to it. Now, if my character is so terrified that they're inarticulate, well, that's, then it's obviously not the case that I'm all the way there. (laughs) But I, you know, I have to be, I I mean, my heart has to be pounding. (laughs) My stomach has to be roiling. Um, And that's how I know it's good.
0: Does your stuff come out perfect the first time? Or does it have to be polished and burnished? The, The language is really beautiful.
1: Um, I'm a person who writes very, very slowly, and usually the first draft is pretty good. There's some tweaking that has to be done usually, but I come out with a, you know, my first draft is, is usually pretty close to publishable. And that's, you know, but the price I pay for that is that it takes me, it could take me it took me three months to write "Honey in the Wound," which is probably a five thousand word story.
0: So. Now, talk about the real quickly about the power of un. This is an interesting and fun kind of uh, time travel uh, reviser. It's about uh, some. It's it's an ultimate writer story. You get to revise your life.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. Now, the interesting thing about that book is that it uh, it won both the Golden Duck Award, which is for Excellence in uh, children's science fiction, and it also won a Bram Stoker Award for excellence in horror for children. Um, so it so you've got a sort of science fiction horror story there, where this this boy uh, is out walking in the woods one day, and he's he is <laughs> confronted by an old man, a very strange-looking old man who gives him a device which allows him to, he can program it for whatever length of time he wants, and it allows him to relive that chosen length of time. So the most recent chunk of time. And he can choose whether that chunk of time is five minutes or 24 hours or whatever, but he gets a do-over of however many hours he chooses at any point and um, it's about it's about the psychology of that and this is a kid who's you know he be at first he thinks oh, awesome you know I'm gonna never flunk another test as long as I live I'm never gonna strike out again as long as I live I'm gonna I'm gonna be rich because I know the future <laughs>
0: I can see why this is about fear too
1: yeah so So what happens is his younger sister has a terrible accident. She's hit by a car. And it's it's his fault in some sense because he was supposed to be looking after her and he lost track of her and she ran out in the road and got hit by the car, this car. And most of the book is about his quest to undo that accident and what he finds about how if you change one thing, many things will change, and about, you know, how some things are harder to change than other things. And the fear, the big fear, of course, is that he will get sort of lost, that he will change the world somehow. And now I confess that this is, when I was uh, a child, I read Ray Bradbury, everything Ray Bradbury had ever written. I read it over and over and over again. And uh, my work is often referred to as Bradbury-esque, and there is no doubt that Bradbury had a big influence on me. He wrote a story, the title of which I can never remember, about um, you know time travelers going back in time and uh, killing a butterfly by accident. And when they returned to their own time, everything was different because that small act had repercussions that echoed in this, you know, the world is an interconnected place. And so this story, The Power of Un, is about how if you change one small thing, you don't know what other things it's going to change. It's about, you know, the Taoist philosophy of uh, never giving up hope because you don't know you don't know the result of anything, and what seems like a tragedy today may be a great gift tomorrow, and vice versa. The great gift you have today may turn out to be something you really wish hadn't happened to you. So the power of UN is an exploration of all those questions, and and it's a it's an exciting sort of suspenseful yarn for kids at the same time. So.
0: I've been speaking with Nancy Etchmendy. She did not have to use the power of UN to undo any part of this interview. (laughs) Thank you for joining me, Nancy.
1: Thank you. My pleasure.